Hebrews chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, and not man. Father, in this morning hour, with the table of our Lord before us, we pray that you would give us quick ability to assess and to apply the obvious statements of Jesus Christ in Hebrews 8, 1 and 2, to the uniqueness of this opportunity for testimony, for resolution, and for a godly sense of dependence upon thee in all things. Thank you for each one that is here. Bless your people in consideration of thee this morning and in the fellowship of our Lord. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Every. Amen. Adults here will know the simple difference between some and some. Between S-O-M-E and S-U-M. If you go to the doctor these days possessing insurance, he or she will often ask for some. S-O-M-E. It's called copay. You pay a little. You pay some as a patient. And the insurance, of course, kicks in to pay the sum, S-U-M. Of course, that's contingent upon the fact that you paid for your insurance. But nonetheless, everybody of a certain age here this morning would know the difference between some and some. We are told in 8.1 that Christ is some kind of high priest. And the word some is used in the sense of summit. Summit of writing, summit of office. Our Lord Jesus is the some kind of high priest in heaven. Hebrews 8 opens with the announcement that the main point the chief idea of the writer's logic here is summed up in nature, function, and location of our high priest, Jesus Christ. And so the Bible word sum, S-U-M, 8-1, plays off the Bible word such. Some and such really become the key thoughts in leading us to the embrace of this section of the Word of God, because Jesus Christ is such a high priest as to nature, as to function, as to location, so as to be declared best ever, or uh, best hands down. Here is the words some, in relationship to the writer's sense of emphasis, brought together with the such, of the Lord Jesus uh, that have that sense of, uh, of summit. 
Uh, the Lord Jesus is not only the best ever high priest and, uh, and uh, functions in heaven itself, but of course the thing that's significant is he's my high priest and he's your high priest if you have placed your faith in him. Herein is the grammatical summation of logic up to this point uh, concerning the Lord Jesus as such. So you just can't get away from those words, some and such. This is the sum and such of the great high priest of heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ. This introduction to the 8th chapter is uh, founded upon the Bible word sum and the Bible word such, uh, as are found in that first verse. Uh, the word sum, meaning chief or head, exegetically refers to things spoken. The things that the writer is speaking here are now at their head, at their zenith, uh, as uh, they have been uh, being spoken of since chapter 6, verse 1, and all through chapter 7. So the main truth here continues to flow out of the imperative that was seen a long time ago in chapter 6 and verse 1 concerning the believer's effort to become what they are going to be, namely, perfect. Perfect is what your appointment is by God. Perfect is what you will be uh, by God in the coming day. And you are to be an act of pursuit of perfect until you are perfect. Because you are perfect. Uh, that would all be true of the Bible's teaching. Now, uh, that idea of uh, the demand or the imperative of perfection in regards to diligent effort here and now, coming out of chapter 6, is augmented in the 7th chapter as we are told that we can actually draw near to God, we can actually draw upon uh, the power of the Almighty by means of our great high priest. We can actually draw upon uh, God's power uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. So chapter 6 says you must be growing Onto perfection. You must be growing onto perfection. And chapter 7 says, you certainly can because you are in Jesus Christ. Now, one more word of introduction here, and that is uh, the words found in verse 2 true tabernacle. Christ is described as a minister of the sanctuary or holy place and of the true or genuine tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. The tabernacle or tent of meeting of the Old Testament law was, of course, crafted by skilled laborers and was used for drawing near to God as Moses had received the blueprints for such at Sinai. And now that particular thing, 8.2, is being contrasted with the true, the real, the genuine tabernacle in the heavens. The earthly high priest under the law appeared before a physical manifestation of God in the inner tent and on behalf of the Jewish congregation. But Jesus now operates or functions as our high priest in the actual presence of God the Father at the throne of God in heaven. Now we talk about heaven like it's a real place because it is a real place. 
But other than the truth of salvation in the Bible uh, in regards to telling people the gospel of Christ, I couldn't give you any directions as to how to get there when it comes to physical directions. But I did hear something this last week from NASA. I think they were saying more than they usually do because they're confronting their failure of Artemis not getting off the launch pad. And so they had a lot of things to say this week. And one of the things they had to say is that they are absolutely astounding, astounded. NASA is just absolutely astounded because the fact is that they are now getting back pictures from outer, outer, outer space. And they are not seeing on those pictures what they would have guessed. What they would have guessed is that the farther in space they went, the more chaotic it would be. The more explosive it would be the more uh, 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 helter-skelter it would be. And scientists reported this week that the pictures actually show, as they move outward from the Earth in outer, outer, outer space, that what they're now seeing is phenomenally organized, is phenomenally designed, and even has some beautiful sense of artistic touches in regards to its look and beauty. Well, you know, if you think about where God is in heaven, well, then the closest any rocket ship would get to being there, and I know there's an, a ridiculousness in what I just said, but I'll say it again. Uh, the closest of any rocket ship to getting there uh, would, of course, uh, not be seeing chaotic things, but things of greater beauty and design. So, I thank NASA this week for proving again that the Bible is true. Now, what I don't like is that the Washington Post, which reported that, by the way, the Washington Post said, nobody can understand, nobody can understand how this could possibly be true in light of current scientific understanding. And I just thought to myself, you bunch of bozos, who was a clown with orange hair. But nonetheless, uh, uh, you know, all you had to do is call me. I was in the office all week this week. All you had to do is call me. I could have told you. They so worked, they so labored just to never mention God. When anybody reading the Washington Post in that article would have thought, well, we know who did that. Our high priest is set before the actual throne of majesty. So says 8, 1, and 2. The majestic one is on the throne of majesty, and the majestic one is set before that throne on our behalf. Our representative before God the Holy Father is God the Holy Son become man. This is why the Apostle John depicts Christ as our heavenly advocate, saying, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. 1 John 2, 1. The first thing we confront in preparation of our hearts for the table of the Lord this morning is the majesty of the throne of God, the majesty of God himself, and the majesty of God the Son, our great high priest advocating for us. What a friend in the highest place.
Secondly, our high priest ministers on our behalf. Verse 2 says, a minister of the holy place, a minister of the sanctuary, and of the true, genuine tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, or the Lord made, not the one constructed by human hands. 8.2 describes the Lord Jesus as a minister of the heavenly sanctuary, which is in the very presence of God the Father. The word minister is here specific, not generic. It means specifically to do the work of a priest. And it comes into English as the word liturgy. Now, you don't hear that word very often in a church like ours. That word has been picked up by the high church in a number of regards. But again, the place uh, and emphasis of point is clear. By use of the word here, we're talking about the priestly duties. And again, Jesus is said in this eighth chapter to right now be operating, present tense, as our high priest in the location crafted by the Almighty personally, not in the tent crafted by human hands. Now, we're going to wait until next week to develop that thought really more and speak specifically of the currency of priestly work work in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, right now and every day uh, going forward. Uh, But I want you just to think about for a moment uh, the simplicity of the declaration of that thing. Uh, The Lord Jesus ministers. He is the minister right now, right this moment. Uh, before the very throne of God. So today is the day in which we celebrate the Lord's table, and everything relative to what is found on the Lord's table has to do with a remembrance of what Jesus has done. Everything on the table is about the Lord's finished work. The Lord is done with that. And I would say that as a people, uh, you know, we're pretty clear on that. Uh, We're pretty knowledgeable about that. We have pretty good insights into that. But Hebrews 8 introduces to us a different and complementary thought that I don't know we're quite so uh, up on. And that has to do with not what the Lord has done, but what the Lord is doing what the Lord is doing as a priest in heaven for you, for me, right now. And so on this particular day, because of the text at hand, you and I not only get to spend in this, uh, this second service uh, a, a thought and remembrance of what the Lord has done, but we have the uniqueness of introduction as to what the Lord is, is doing And usually, if you ask people, what's the Lord doing? Uh, They quote uh, John 14, and the Lord is building a place for us. And that would be a good response. Not arguing with that. But according to Hebrews 8, there's a whole lot more that the Lord is doing uh, than, uh, than that. And specifically, Hebrews 8 is going to talk about the doings of the Lord Jesus here and now, relative to his work as 
high priest. And you and I will be learning uh, over coming weeks in Hebrews 8, 9, 10. We'll be learning uh, more concerning the idea of the Lord's present tense of doing as our great high priest. Now, the third thing for this morning in preparation for the Lord's table that I say to you is that our great high priest, the God-man, mediates the relationship between God and man. And that mediation, again, is current. The mediation of Christ is founded upon done, but it also involves doing. The mediation of Christ involves everything he did, And everything he does, of which we shall be indeed better informed. He perfectly represents the interests, the interests rather, of God the Father. And he perfectly facilitates the interests of those that believe on his name before the throne. Today we meet here under the Lord's command to eat and drink as prescribed in remembrance of him and the death that he died once for our sin. So important is the doctrine. Once. Death for sins, once. It is finished in declaration. And the message of the cross, which is the message of done, 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 that most people today have little or at least less understanding of this idea of the ongoing priestly service of Christ and what exactly that entails. But believe me when I tell you this morning, just by way of introduction, that Jesus is, uh, uh, is active on my behalf, active on your behalf before the throne of God, according to this scripture. And, uh, and believers are absolutely dependent upon his ongoing priestly work before God's throne for the currency of their grace and peace flowing out of the throne of God. Nothing true or right can be said about God, relationship with God, or drawing near to God apart from the Lord's one-time death for sins and his work before the throne. We have a lot to celebrate in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We ought to be very interested today in honoring him and seeing that he gets his praise among his people. People on earth are inconsistent God's people on earth are often inconsistent. Watson says, we cannot pray without wandering. Uh, Could I get a witness? No, no bother. You'd all have to raise your hand. Uh, Watson says, the believer cannot uh, believe without doubting. Uh, Could I get a witness? No, don't raise your hand. Uh, I I could get uh, hands all over the auditorium. Uh, Yet we can draw near to God. We can draw near to God. In spite of our wanderings, in spite of our doubtings, we who have expressed faith in Jesus Christ can draw near to God for repentance. 
we can draw near to God for rejoicing because of what Christ did and what Christ does. That would be Hebrews chapter 8, 9, and 10. I come to those last two words that I just mentioned. Here is an opportunity of repentance. Here is an opportunity for rejoicing. It's interesting that I do believe that God is equally interested in both those things in my life before the table of the Lord. I believe that the Lord is interested in both those things in your life before the table of the Lord. The fellowship of the table. The remembrance of Christ at that which is his table is uniquely a fellowship in which we can again rejoice in what he did and what he does so as to poise us to know the blessedness of sin forgiven regardless of what those sins are. Thereby it's an opportunity of repentance. And likewise it is an opportunity for rejoicing For God has not just forgiven our sins so that we could be okay on our own, but he has forgiven us our sins that we might be rightly connected with him, thrice holy God, today, tomorrow, and forever. May Jesus Christ be praised. Father, help us as we think upon these blessed truths by way of introduction as we celebrate together as a congregation at the table of our Lord. We ask your hand upon us. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.